Well, hello there and welcome to this special episode of Carrying On The Conversation, the special bonus episodes of Making Conversations Count that we put out summarising recent episodes. Because of the time of year of recording this and the fact that we wanted to give Wendy Wu a well-earned break, we've decided to do something a bit different in this episode. We've decided to revisit three guests we've already had a conversation with and discover where they got to since the recording. So, literally carrying on the conversation. We've got Mandy Ward, the cuddle monster lady. I mean, we all write from our own experience. I mean, there's a, you know, other instances where we wrote, we helped a guy write his life story that he only wants to keep for his family. Steve Judge, author, expert speaker, and all-round Paralympic marvel. That is what I'm driving towards, for other people to achieve their goal, because then I'm selfishly achieving my goal by other people achieving their goal. And last but not least, Wendy Wu's business crush, Rob Begg, mindset coach extraordinaire. It, it can be a bit of a challenge because your, your whole sense of identity is being challenged. If you've not yet listened to the original full episodes, you'll find a link to them in the show notes, both on the episode page of whatever app you're listening to this on and on the website post at makingconversationscount.com. Click episodes and look for the latest post. Well, on to our first guest, Steve Judge. Steve shares his journey towards finding his golden vision and how he helps others achieve their goals. From using visual aids to creating online workshops, Steve shares his winning strategies for finding and achieving success. Plus, he talks about the frustrations he encounters when people don't take action towards achieving their goals. So without delay, let's get into this inspiring conversation on finding and achieving your own golden vision. The number one thing, and this is what we talked about when we last chatted, was what I wanted to do. Um, now, what I do is I, I then do a golden vision. Now, for me, if I'm a very visual person, so I like to see I have a vision board on the wall and I have I draw a picture of what I want. And that's what I encourage other people to do. Everybody's different and some people might want words or something tactile. But for me, it's a picture. In fact, I've got my picture here. Let me show you this. So this is the picture that I drew, I know, year, year and a half, two years ago. But anyway, it's me. It's me uh, in the future, global stage, still in scouting. So I've got my scout necron. I want to go and speak in Japan. So I've got the Japanese samurai sword. I'm being held up by my golden gang. So my golden gang is very important. They're the people that I meet along the way, the people that I want, the people that will help me to get to where I want. So that might be my mastermind group, my business coach, my stylist, my website person. I'm still in the, the, the globe, the uh, global speaker. I'm helping, inspiring, and motivating. I've got an online workshop. I've got on the side of the video at the stage three books. Now, I've only written one book so far. I'm writing the second book at the moment. Wow. I don't even know. But, I mean, I just think that there might be another book out there. So, this is what I, I want to achieve, what I will achieve. It's got a house there. I'm living with my girlfriend, cars outside. That's the picture, and it's a very colourful picture. Now, that is what I want. And this is what I urge people to, to, to do first, is just ask yourself, what do you want? What makes you happy? And for me, what makes me happy to complete my circle in my life, because I've been through my rehabilitation, learning to stand and walk again, surviving, becoming an elite athlete, becoming a world champion. But to complete my circle, I feel, is very much giving back and helping other people to achieve in their life, to find the gold in their life and to achieve that. And this is then also what frustrates me, is that, people aren't doing that and so that drives me even more so what frustrates me is people that are constantly saying 
I want a better job or I want a better relationship or I wish I would lived in a different house. And it's all quite negative. And I'm like, well, you should go and do that. And they go, oh, no, I, I can't do that because I haven't got time or I haven't got money or I don't know how to do it. And they come up with these excuses. And I get it. I, I'm not saying it's easy to, to go and do and achieve your goals. But the thing is, Wendy, is that I have the answers. I have the I know how to achieve it because I've done it. I know what you have to do. So this is what's driven me to write my book, my book that you mentioned, Gold. And in that book is the, the five winning strategies that will take you towards achieving your goal, finding your goal and achieving it. So getting it out of my head into the book is one thing. Turning that book into a workshop, which I've done, is another thing so I can physically you know, take people on that journey, but also taking that, that workshop online, then that opens the door, doesn't it? Then, then it can be global. Then anybody around the world can log on do the workshop, find out what their goal is and work towards it and achieve it. And that, all of that makes me happy. And that is what I'm driving towards for other people to achieve their goal. Because then I'm selfishly achieving my goal by other people achieving their goal. So that's what I've been working on. And it's, it's ongoing because I'm constantly asking myself, what more can I do? What more can I do? What more can I do? You know, yes, there's a book, there's a workshop, there's an online workshop. Okay, now I need to market it. Now I need to shout louder about it. Now I need to do more stage appearances to tell people about the book and the workshop. So it's always ongoing. And, and that I love that, you know, that there's always something to do, something that I can be doing more. So that that's where I am. And that's what's been uh, pushing me onwards, I guess, over the last couple of years. And I know that you're a big one for not leaning into it, any excuses. And it's it's inspiring, isn't it? And I can understand the frustration that you may have sometimes is that there is no need to settle is mm. the, the second best if there are things that you would that you would like in your life then go do them if they're not seeking you out there are lots of other people that they could seek out too that's that's even that's that's a bigger frustration isn't it is that we're all here to live a journey i think yeah no absolutely and yeah i might not have all the answers believe it or not but that's the whole point of your golden gang and your golden gang so let me just go through the the, the five strategies the, the winning strategies the first one is, is your golden vision so you've got to know where also what you want what would you want what makes you happy what do you want to achieve in your life and it might be something like uh you want to be fitter healthier you might want more money what's the money for you want to go on more holidays where do you want to go on holiday what cars do you want to buy what people do you want to help what do you want to do what are all those things that, that, that make you buzz and that could be personal or professional the second one is why your golden soul why do you want to do all of these things? What 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 makes you tick? And you need to know your why, because when the going gets tough, as as it will do, whether there's a pandemic or something else, when the going gets tough, you you, you got to keep going. So knowing that is very important. The next one is your your golden gear. What gear do you need to take you on that journey? And that's when I ask myself, what more can I do? What more can I do? What more can I do? And I got that from being an elite athlete. If I wanted to be a champion of the world and beat the rest of the world. I had to constantly ask myself, what more can I do? Whether that's nutrition, equipment, speed, endurance, health, mindset. I realized that some of my friends, my colleagues, they weren't getting to the start line to compete and work towards their goals to get into the, the podium because they were injured. And I, my heart broke for them. I was so gutted for them that they couldn't even compete in this race. Now, if we turn that round and call it the race of life, you know, whether it's your business or your health or whatever, if you can't get to your start line, you can't even compete. So you've got to think about your wellness. You've got to get to the start line. And yes, sometimes that can be seen as quite boring. As an elite athlete, 
you know, I had to take a rest day. I had to do the warming up and the warming down. I had to do the stretching, the nutrition, the mindset, the yoga, the Tai Chi. Instead of the swimming, the cycling, the running, I just had to think about my body. I had to do that injury prevention. And injury prevention can be quite a boring thing, but it's so necessary. I realized that wellness is very much about taking action so that you can take action. It's so important. So yeah, getting the balance is, is ultimately very important. What more can you do for your wellness? The next one is your your golden gang, which I've mentioned. So who do you need in your in your world to go and achieve? And and think about what you need for commencement. Just just going on the journey. Some to say, yeah, you should do that. Go for it. Okay, that's very important. Then you need some people that will help you achieve. Actually, take you there. You know, some 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 professionals, some people that have got all the logic and everything. They will help you achieve. But the exciting ones are the people in your golden gang that will give you fulfillment. That these will take you up to the next level, the le- next level that you haven't even got to yet. For me, you know, my business is going well, but I, w- I wouldn't mind, you know, to go up a level. So what do I need to get to there? You know, what people do I need? And knowing them and reaching out, it might be an SEO expert or marketing guru, or it might be a, a, a chauffeur to take me to my events, or even a helicopter pilot. I don't know. But the, the, let the mind boggle. Let the, the mind you know, just, just go crazy about what would take you up to that next level. Draw a picture, find out who those people are, even connect with them and say, look, I, I can't afford you yet, but in the future, I will be calling you and you, we're going to work together and we'll go to the next place. The last one is your golden hour. Your golden hour is, is the one where you put a line in the sand, you benchmark where you are now and when do you want to achieve this thing. And, and don't put any pressure on yourself. This could be in five years time, 10 years time. I don't know. But then once you've got that, bring it back. Okay, so what do I need to do in four years time, three years? What do I need to do at the end of this year? so that my five-year plan can actually be achievable. What do I need to do this month, this week, today? What do I need to do to the, that one thing, five minutes, what do I need to do today that will eventually in five years' time take me to that that gold? And I keep saying gold, I haven't said it, it's an acronym for me. Your goal, your opportunity, your love, your dream. What is that thing that you really want, that thing that makes you buzz, that makes you happy? Using those five strategies, they will get you there. My book has the exercises in them, uh, the workshop, you obviously do them, as the same as the, the masterclass. And yeah, and that's it. I know I'm not saying that's it. That's It's simple. It's a lot of hard work with all of that. But knowing where you're going on your journey is just so important. Otherwise, you're just going the wrong places. Now on to Mandy Ward. Mandy shares her journey of starting her own business and the exciting projects and stories she's encountered along the way, from working with best-selling authors to helping others realize their goals. Mandy talks about the challenges and rewards of being an entrepreneur and some fantastic anecdotes from her past and the importance of taking time to look back and reflect. And it all starts with the sweetest bit of nostalgic catching up between two friends. I was trying to remember how long ago it was because time flies so fast, but it was during lockdown, wasn't it, when we yeah. first Yeah, yeah. So I, I think back now, I was only reflecting on this yesterday, because I started following a book called The Artist's Way, which gets you to write down everything that's in your head first thing in the morning, and it really helps to clear your mind. So I've been reflecting, and so it was a couple of years ago where we started out, and I changed my profile on LinkedIn. This is before Oxy came along. I think Oxy was in the background at that point, still stuck in my head. So I started working with an artist that I used to work with when I worked in gaming. I was absolutely delighted when they came up with the characters, because Oxy's not the only one. But coming up with a follow-up has kind of been on the back burner because having changed my profile on LinkedIn, 
got our first customer and that was Mark Evans. He, he's written a book called Conversations with Impact and it's a model for helping you help yourself with mental health. It's a brilliant book um, with some brilliant, really impactful illustrations. His book got launched and it went to number one on Amazon. It's still doing really well on NLP, which is really gratifying. And since then, we've worked with quite a number of people and some lovely backstories to those books that we've helped to work on. You know, it's been very proud, very proud, actually. We're not, we're not millionaires, Rodney. <laughs> we keep saying our small, to ourselves, this time next year, we'll be millionaires. If you're an Only Fools and Horses fan, you know what happens when they did get the millions anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We say it as a bit of a joke when we're at our most stressful moments, I guess, but it's such a rocket ride running your own business. And even now, because there's two of us, it's been on this. Sometimes it's touch and goes with the, the balance in the bank, you know. Although I post positively every day on LinkedIn, that's what I also started to do. And that started to pay dividends now. And that again, that takes time. That's took me a couple of years. It's nice to be asked the question, actually, because you're so busy focusing on what's next. Remember, you used to go out when you were younger and get really, really slaughtered. And the next day, you'd still be laughing weeks after all the you know little anecdotes and all the shenanigans that you got up to because you won't forget. Oh, do you remember when you did this? Remember when you did that? So it's really great to look back and smile at what you've achieved really or, or have a laugh about. Sometimes like full-on meltdowns. It's different when you work for yourself. You've got no one to kick you up the backside, have you really? I know. The mirror doesn't talk back, does it? That's the thing. <laughs> I mean, there's been some lovely stories and actually some prospects lined up, some books that can really make a difference, you know. And there's been a lady I spoke to last week, lovely lady. I was posted about her, so I think yesterday, 68. She wants to help people because she's one of life's helpers. She's got to a point now where she's lost a couple of friends. You know, one friend, she, you know, died quite quickly. Another one's got really poorly as soon as she retired. And she said, I don't want to do that now. This is my time now. So I've written the book. It was cathartic. I don't want to take it any further. And I was like, well, that's really lovely. But if she hadn't spoke to me, you know, we had that conversation. She said, please do invoice me for your time because this has really helped me understand that I don't want to do the book, which is lovely as well. And who knows? That could be what we call a lasting legacy because her family, once she has gone, may decide to actually do something with it. I think part of the challenge there with that book was a lot of the catharsis was around relationships and family members who were the ones bit of expression and taking a hostage to some degree. Naming and I wouldn't say shaming, but you've got to be very careful when you write a book what you say about people, even if it is in your family, because they can take exception to that and then take you to court if they want to. Yeah, it's that um, artistic license and libel, isn't it? It's a fine uh, line because you could be just sort of steering it to make impact and for the reader yeah. and the, the person thinking that it's about them. I mean, we all write from our own experience. I mean, there's a, you know, other instances where we wrote, we helped a guy write his life story that he only wants to keep for his family. Um, and another gentleman found out after his father had died that he'd been a present prisoner of war in Singapore and he found a little diary. Talk about this on our little podcast that we've been doing find a little diary of his dad's time in Changi jail and we helped him write that book. You know, when we put it in his hands, he was crying. You know, this guy in his, I'd say, late 60s, early 70s, it was lovely. The biggest thing for me with what I do is helping people leave a legacy because what's left of us when we're no longer here, that sounds very, I suppose it could sound morbid to some people, but actually when you've lost your parents and your grandparents and there's nobody else around you, 
when you think back to all those lovely memories, yes, you've got them up here. But what about the things that you don't know about? So, you know, where where did your parents meet? What was their first love song? You know, what was their first dance? You know, and ask this question. I've been running a creative writing group and a lot of the time it's about connecting people rather than actually writing. We sit and have a chat and talk about lives. And quite a few of them have said, well, I've got nothing interesting to say. And I said, well, hang on a minute. I said, let's talk about your first kiss. And of course, the room goes really quiet. I thought, I don't know where this is going to go. And then we had one lady talking about snugging a, a, a brother's friend behind the bike sheds. Another lady started, oh, it was springtime in Paris. And we were like, wow, you know, your first kiss, springtime in Paris. How romantic is that? So having started talking to people about, you know, the first kiss or the first job, I mean, I asked this one chap, what was your first job? What did you get paid? He said, three pounds, six shillings and sixpence. You know, most people won't know what a shilling or a sixpence is. And the lovely thing about it is it's local history. It's not what you hear on the news. It's stuff that happens to real people. It sort of makes me feel like there ought to be a kind of living journal that you that would have all these pre-prepared questions for you to be able to write them down and just leave, a, even if it's a snapshot and you're not much of a writer, to be able to sit and work through. I know that it was something that I did with my dad and we worked through and, and I made him tell me stories, but but we didn't write it down and the memory is a funny thing, isn't it? You only kind yeah. of remember... And and you you gloss over certain aspects and the power of words can never be underestimated. I googled the other day what's the oldest book of the British Library because you, as you probably know you've written a book Wendy and the British Library will ask you for a copy with your ISBN number on it, which is, you know, it's like being called like onto the Royal of Honour. Really, it's such an honour to have your book in the British Library. But the oldest book in the British Library was something like six eighty six, and the British Library paid nine million pound for it. And the binding, the red binding is still visible. You know, the, the jacket on the book is still visible. So, and the other thing is, we've got video these days. You know, there's nothing stopping anybody from sitting around a table with mum and dad or nan and granddad and tell me about something, tell me about yourself and recording those because you can do it all with an iPhone now. So it doesn't necessarily have to be written down. We remember you know, the stories and we remember the feeling, don't we? It's the feeling sure. that we remember and that's how we relay the, the story. It's It'd be like me saying to somebody that I'm working with, well, how did it feel the first time somebody said yes when you offered them what you do? Yeah. And it's an immense thing. How did it feel when you got your first commission in your paycheck? These These are the sorts of things, unless you know the question to ask... It is difficult to be able to just pluck something imaginative and creative out of the air, isn't it? How we got together was was through LinkedIn and the stories that you were you were posting about. Mm. And like coming back to Oxy, Oxy's you know now not just on a page; he's he's got real life form because that sparked a conversation with somebody. And I mean, when we first spoke, I could I could see then that, you know, it would be great if he had a whole shelf in Toys R Us or something, you know, with yeah. Smiths, because it's it's just a really powerful message and, and just helps children, you know, which is where it all starts. And that's where our investment needs to be. So, so I'm absolutely thrilled that you've got this living legacy 
idea yeah. coming through because that means that I'll get to talk to you again another time in the future and you can come and tell us all about it. Now, this part of the episode will be of particular interest to Wendy Wu fans and followers and Wendy Wu herself, as it features someone Wendy's actually officially continued the conversation with after the episode was released. Rob Begg delves into the concept of mindset and how it affects our lives and our ability to create significant change. And Wendy's actually worked with Rob on her own mindset since the original recording of the episode. So I got all involved at this point and decided to learn more about what Rob has been doing with Wendy. Mindset, it's a, it's a word that's overused and very little understood, but so where the conversation went was to the understanding that actually, if you really want to create significant change in your life, you've got to go beyond the mind. You've got to go to the source. We've got, we've got three elements. We're a, we're a mind, body, spirit complex. And, uh, you know, people say, well, I don't believe or buy into any of that spiritual stuff. Well, that's fine. You don't have to believe it, but you're still a spiritual being regardless. We elevated, we took the conversation up from mental to spiritual, which that's the origin of our results. You know, people never stop to question the, the, their own thoughts or their beliefs or their assumptions. And so we went up a layer above the mind or beyond before the mind to the spiritual aspect. And then, then you can come back down into the mind and creating our experience, our life experiences based upon who we're choosing to be. We don't get what we want in life. We get who we're identified and what we're identified with. And there were some fac other facets to the conversation relative to the nature of reality, which I think were quite a stretch, which they are because from a logical, linear, rational perspective, we can't grasp them. We can only grasp we can only grasp wisdom through experience. The problem with wisdom is when it's spoken or put down in writing, it's no longer wisdom. It becomes knowledge and information then, and that doesn't have the power to create the change. Wisdom is experience. It's not taught. So we had a, a chat around that, as I recall. And how you know smoothly did she sort of transition into your working frameworks? So I, I think for majority of people, which is, again, I guess, to some degree, why there's a place in the world for people like me who coach and support and, and all the rest of it. For the majority of people, it's it's a stretch and it can be a bit of a bumpy ride because the if we've identified as we're conditioned and brought up to do, if we've identified as being just a mind and a body all our lives, which is limiting relative to who we really are, where most people are operating from some core assumptions that they've integrated in very early life, and then those core assumptions go unquestioned, but they're driving all their other thoughts and beliefs and feelings about how the world is and how the world works. So if we're identified as mind and body, we go through our lives with a certain identity, believing we are a certain way. And then so when you question that through direct experience, when you get the awareness that you're so much greater than that, it, it can be a bit of a challenge because your whole sense of identity is being challenged. But what you're opening yourself up to is a whole world of possibility that you would otherwise just not have any awareness of. So it's a little bit of a bumpy ride particularly if we're used to spending a lot of time in our so-called heads with the intellect because we're taught to value the intellect as we you know as we go through life over and above our heart and our intuition and yet it's our heart and intuition that as we go in get further on in life that's knocking at the back door saying please will you wake up <laughs> that's what causes all the suffering is we believe who we're not my own experience and my observation is that if we're 
particularly prone to using our intellect and to figuring stuff out, then it's a bumpier ride. It's not it's not unpleasant necessarily, but it's more challenging to embrace. The learning is experiential. You can't get it intellectually, but the, the identity of mind and body wants us to hang on to the intellectual understanding. It wants to say, before you can embrace this, you've got to understand it intellectually. And of course, that's why people don't create change in their lives. We've got to go into the unknown. Like we once did as children, we were unafraid as children to go into the unknown, to set our heart on things. We, we don't set our heart on things as adults. We set our mind to things based on what we believe and assume and all the rest of it. And it's not how we're designed. So long-winded answer to a short question. No, I love it. And it reminds me actually of the actual episode. And anybody that hasn't listened to it yet, go back. You can find it at makingconversationscount.com. Rob's episode is in there. I highly recommend it. It's a great listen. Hearing you explain all that, it's taken me back to the episode and, and how fascinating it was. If somebody's hearing this for the first time, they're hearing this sort of this mindset stuff, you know, and, and they're loving what you're saying and they're, they're intrigued to find out a little bit more about it. How does that look, you know, what does that look like to work with you, Rob? So I, I work in a, it's a kind of hybrid form of, of coaching, a combination of coaching, consulting, teaching, and there's a balance of satisfying the intellect because the intellect seeks, it wants enough knowledge and information to enable us to venture out on a limb, as it were. So there's a balance of providing an education which satisfies the intellect. And then the, the awareness, the wisdom can only come through direct experience. So I, I seek to, you know, 50% of the mix is giving people a direct experience of who they really are and opening up to the fact that they are, in essence, a spiritual free being. The reason, the reason everybody is seeking happiness and freedom, you know, is scratch the surface on why it is people are going after the goals. Well, ultimately, it's because they want to feel happier or they believe in the having of it or the getting of it, they're going to feel happier or better and, or freer. The reason for that is that's because our, that's our true nature. But when we're just identified as mind and body, that's our ego. That's not who we are. And that if we're only identified with that, then we find that there's never enough of more to find that everlasting peace and happiness. It might be momentary when we get the new relationship or the new car or the new house or that deal over the line. We collapse that sense of separation and we feel a momentary satisfaction of peace, but it's not lasting. The ego is promise. The promise of the ego, the mind and body, is fulfillment in the future. When I finish work, when it's the weekend, when I go on holiday, when I've paid off the mortgage, when I've had something to eat, it's always promising fulfillment in the next moment. And yet, the irony is nobody has ever experienced time. We've only ever experienced now. So if somebody wanted to lean into that, I'm working on some material at the moment to allow people to have a flavor of that in advance of engaging with me. You know, this is the time of year where people, you know, move towards the end of a year and reflect and then start next year, set fresh intentions and so on. But most people are experiencing a version of Groundhog Day. You know, they set their new intentions. They believe that this year is going to be different. And then it gets to Christmas and what ego does is it allocates responsibility for why this year isn't that much different. It goes well if it hadn't been for the pandemic or the recession or the politicians or whatever. And it's none, it's none of that. So my only encouragement would be, you know, don't question your vision. Don't question what your heart desires because your heart knows the truth. Question the sense of limitation. Question the, the thoughts and beliefs that in some way, shape or form feel contracting. Whenever we engage with thoughts that we believe in that are limiting or restricting, they're not the truth. They're the story of the ego and the ego's primary motivation is to minimize change because for the ego, 
Minimal change equals safety and security. So be courageous, follow your heart. If you enjoyed this episode, and I've got no idea why you wouldn't, please do take the 60 seconds or so that it requires for you to let us know via the app you're currently listening on. If you know somebody who'd find this episode interesting, please do share it with them and ask them to click the follow or subscribe button, whichever their favourite podcast app allows them to do. We will, of course, have a new episode for you soon. Until then, enjoy carrying on those conversations. Mm -hmm.